evening star shells Stalingrad says hello You twinkle above us We need light below Good evening star shells This night will be long You are so What could possibly go wrong? SMC or an armor leader need to roll up for Orlesio. CEAFE crew or an MMC need us to Orlesio. Think those IR mortars, they'll do a good job of slinging all night long. Good evening, Starshell. SMC's told us fire some and make sure to roll really low, low. Think those IR mortars, they'll do a good job of flinging stashes all night long. Can you hear me? Leading us some, what could go wrong? All night long, shell being, shell, 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 slinging, sling, sling, shooter shell. Star, star, something, fling, sing, send up a shell. Sling a fling, shooter shell. Yeah, we can sling, sling, sling some, sling a shell. Sling a shell. Sling, sling some, fire off some. Hello, everybody. Hello, all. This is Jeff and Dave, and this is the Two Half Squads. This is the one and only podcast on the net dedicated a lot of percent to the greatest game in the world. Advanced Squad Leader. I'm Jeff. That's Dave. Raise your hand, Dave. We are your hosts. Yes. And 
as far as we know, we are the only podcast, but, you know, I've got two different podcast uh, catchers apps on my phone. Mm -hmm. They are jammed with podcasts because I because I keep searching for stuff and subscribing to stuff and hearing about stuff. I mean, there aren't enough hours in the month. Yeah. And yeah, you don't listen to a lot, though. Not a lot. I have been uh, trying to be a little more conscientious about it, getting out walking in the mornings. And uh, so that's a good time to listen. And I listen at a little bit faster rate, 1.25, because I have a superior brain, Dave. I can absorb that fast. It is clearly evident about your superior brain. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Held up to my inferior one, it's even more glaring. Well, Uh, I don't know about that, but yeah. We do everything on one, almost everything on 1.25. Until you get a really fast talker. Yeah. And then you're like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Go back to normal. But a lot of times, people are talking slow. You easily can follow along at a little faster pace like this when it's going into 1.25. Do I hear $5, You listen to Radio Lab, right? That's one of your podcasts that you like? Um, yeah. It started and they, off- do a, they do a lot of, it's slow, right? And they have a lot of drop-in of sound effects and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So keep, don't, don't speed those up. Oh, okay. Don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Memory Palace, don't speed it up. Okay. It's, it's only 12 minutes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But it. You got to hear Memory Palace at the pace that he made it. Ah, okay. But news ones or some of the history ones or gaming. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I listen to some tech podcasts and I can usually keep up okay at 1.25. And, and then, so then I'll turn it off. I've probably talked about this a couple of years ago. I'll turn it off. I'll get home and I'll talk to normal people, like live people. Remember when we used to talk to live people? <laughs> And uh, they're talking so slow then. (laughs) But the nice thing so far about talking to somebody face-to-face so far is that so far they don't play commercials. That's, well, just give it some time. Yeah. I might start doing that. I'll talk to one of my clients and then I'll say, by the way, I'm talking to you thanks to Dell. Dell Computers is supporting me and click my belly button, press my belly button or click the thumbs up sign on my the back of my head. Or pull the string on your belly button and then. Yeah. Who are speaking of sponsors? We have sponsors. Indeed. Kellogg's. No, not Kellogg's. Uh, Ritter Creek. Rittercreek.com. One of our favorite sponsors in the world. They got all the new ASL stuff in there coming in. You can pre-order on the Rear Creek site. You still get the free shipping and uh, all the new product. There's there's so much new product. We're, we're just taking time to go over some old products still today when we get there. They used to be new, but not so much anymore. So, yeah, go to RearCreek.com. It's a great website. Lots of stuff. Spend your money. Or go to Patreon and support the two half squads. Even a dollar per episode really helps us out. We love that. And to everybody that does support us on Patreon, thank you very much. And everybody that doesn't, that's okay. 
maybe you will in the near future. We would appreciate it. Yep. So how's Dave? What's going on with Dave? Nothing new. No? Doing nope. the same old stuff? Yeah. I've been, I don't know if you've seen my texts. I've been texting with the the little group that we have breakfast. Dave and I meet with a couple of other gamers for breakfast once a week. And I've had some kind of comical encounters recently watching. I've been watching old Sherlock Holmes movies <laughs> on YouTube. And have you seen those texts I've been sending? Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of swear words in them, aren't there? They're, they're <laughs> it's really unusual for our group. So, Well, nobody speaks them. But uh, but they say, well, what happened was I was watching Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I don't know, The Voice of Fear. No, it was Sherlock Holmes. And uh, I don't know, he was in some The House of Fear, I think it was called. So he's at some Scottish castle and guys keep getting killed. There's some orange pips. They get the they get a letter each night. Somebody in the little group of friends gets a letter and it's got orange pips in it. And the next day he's dead. So Sherlock Holmes goes there to try to figure out what's going on. And there's one point where Holmes goes to a nearby pub and speaks with a gentleman with a very thick Scottish brogue. I had a hard time understanding it. So I thought, I'm going to turn on the closed caption. So I turn on the closed caption. And somebody was having fun with the closed caption, I guess. I don't know. Or was that a computer doing it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't the auto-generated closed caption, which you can do on YouTube. Okay. This was actual created close. I mean, it must have been because the the actual line that Lieutenant Strad Lestrade spoke was, uh, "He's the killer, and that's for sure." That was the line, and what the person typed in the the closed caption guy must have been having a bad day or a good day. He said he is the effing killer with the whole word out there. We won't say the word because Dave and I don't swear because we are superior human beings and we respect the English language. We have a command of the English language. Yes. So we don't use words like that. We don't know? need to stoop that low. But it is hilarious. I mean, it really, and it happened a couple of times in that in that one hour and 10 minute Sherlock Holmes. So I don't know what's going then on. That, yeah, then that probably had to be somebody typing that in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, just for fun. Just for fun. And it was fun. So, but it, so be warned if you're going to watch that and you're going to watch the closed caption and you've got, for instance, your rabbi is over for lunch watching it with you, you may want to just uh, leave the closed captions off. So. That's all the news from the Hallett residents. Not much going on here either, I guess. Well, then we could jump into it, I suppose. Let's jump right into the show. We got a good show. Let's go to letters. Why? It is time for letters. And I'll run that in the background. I'll turn it down a little. Oops. That was off. Jeff, do you have a letter? I've got a letter here. Let's see. This is from uh, FB Bill. I don't know. Does that... Do I have to talk over the music? Uh, no, I thought it would be low enough. It's not, though. It's your take. No. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> I thought you had a superior brain. 
I uh, not all the time. I put it to bed already. We got a letter here from FB Bill. Maybe that stands for Facebook. I don't know. He left a comment on our episode 271, uh, the episode about Klaus. And he wrote and he said, I could talk. I could talk about what an indispensable part of the Festung Budapest historical ASL development team Klaus was from his command of the ASL rules to his thoughtful and insightful questions and suggestions relative to the development of the module helped make it what it is. How his keen observational skills found any number of counter errors and scenario issues that had gone overlooked by others. I could talk about all those things at length. Rather, I'd just like to say what an outstanding individual class is for what he gives to this hobby in so many ways. So I encourage all of the ASL play, players out there to give this episode a listen and then drop class a note and say, thank you for all you do. We are a much better community because of people like Klaus. Signed, Klaus's mom. No, no, that was, <laughs> that was from FB being fest, Festung Budapest Bill. And uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Best to Budapest, Bill. Yeah. I think so. So, and I think everybody should. Drop a line, say hi to Klaus, tell him what a good job he did. And do it through us. Uh, go on to our episode and just leave a comment there, and we'll make sure Klaus is checking that. I know he checks it every day. <laughs> well, I have a letter from Ken Katz. Now, he said Klaus played a critical role in turning forgotten war into a polished, nearly errata-free final product. The guy is brilliant. And that just backs up what the other guy, Bill, said. And yeah. I have a letter from Nate. Maybe it was a comment somewhere. Um, by the way, what was that version of O'Gammon Bomb for the 16th December episode it was beautiful and hilarious. Well, that was a song by, if I remember correctly, the two half squad singers, my daughter and my son, Aaron. And mm -hmm. so hope glad you enjoyed it. And we hope you enjoyed today's song. Good evening, Star Shells. Oh, yes. Very well done. Yes. Very well done. Great song. So someday we'll have an index of where to find all those. We actually do have it. I guess we could try to post it, Jeff. Yeah. The one that Dennis started, and I think we're keeping it maintained. So, all right. I have a letter here, an urgent message from Roger McGowan. Now, this came in, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not sure it's still up to date because it, it, well, I'll read it. Urgent message from Roger Roger McGowan, Game Industry Hall of Fame graphic artist and my partner in the McGowan and Lombardi's The Great War card game. I don't know this card game, but it sounds like it's great. And he writes and he says, you may have seen on Facebook that they have shut down the C3i fans Facebook page. Facebook said it did not meet their community standards, in quotes. I'm doing air quotes. Even though what I post on C3i uh, Facebook hasn't changed over the years. I do day in history banners, game and magazine photos, movie history, military history. C3i hasn't changed over the years, but Facebook has changed. I've asked them for specifics like why, what exactly is wrong, but Facebook has not responded. I'll call Zuckerberg when, we, when we're done with the show. I'll call Zuck, old friend of mine. 
ask him what's up. Uh, but he goes on to say, therefore, I've moved to a new site, the C3I Consum World Community. Please join me there. Looking forward to your comments and photos. Please pass the word to your friends. So if you were on that it, on Facebook and it's gone, go over to Consum World. It's over there. If possible, let the fans know. We're letting all the fans know because they're all here sitting right here with us. And um, yep. so that's weird. Don't know why that would happen. And well, like I said, I yeah, I, I've had a lot of problems too with the, my Facebook pages. I keep starting, Jeffrey. They keep deleting them, like the, the Dead Baby Seals page. Yeah. The Babies with Razor Blades page. That yeah. was fun. Yeah. They keep shutting them down. I don't know why. For what? I don't know. That's too bad. <laughs> you know, I haven't been on Concern World for a while, and I, I, I don't go on Facebook because, well, for a lot of reasons. And they're all good reasons, too. Well, I have a letter from Roger. I don't know which Roger. Maybe it'll become clear. Oh, from the previous episode, I forgot to tell Jeff, you, Jeffrey, about how I thought the same thing about Atlantic Crossing. I told my sister it was interesting. I learned some things I'd never heard about before, even if it's based on a true story. But despite the decent job of making Kyle McLaughlin look and sound close to FDR, there was something odd about it. Perhaps his body language, a certain way of speaking, or just a bit off. But I did enjoy it and wonder what today's King of Norway thought of it with himself portrayed as a young boy. For Dave, he says, I can't remember out of the hundreds of episodes if you've mentioned it, but have you seen the TV series Community? I don't watch much TV. My older brother got me to watch it. It's ended several years back. It's about a group of students at a community college and some of the eccentric teachers. So as a teacher, I thought you'd get a kick out of it. I will have to check that out, Roger. Thanks for letting me know. In the middle of the night, yeah, and I'll call the King of Norway soon as I hang up with Zuck and see what he thought of it. Actually, uh, Robert Vaughn played uh, FDR one time in a miniseries, and I thought he made a, a very good FDR. I uh, got one here from uh, Pierre. He says, uh, hi, guys. I played classic squad leader in the 80s and then got sidelines by beer and sidelined by beer and punk rock. That'll do it to you. But as retirement looms in the not-so-distant future, I just picked up Advanced Squad Leader Starter Kit 1, 2, and 3, and I'm ready to get back in. I'm into Battle Group and really enjoy the modeling, but you just can't get the scale that you get with Squad Leader. Hmm, maybe a good topic of discussion? Squad Leader to Battle Group conversion? Anyway, when's the next podcast? Is there a schedule? Yes, Pierre, but only Dave and I know what it is, and we're not telling. <laughs> It is approximately the 1st and 15th of the month. And we have a notice from Alpenfestung. It is time for the 14th tournament. Um, it's a beautiful place in Switzerland. They pick a different place. There's very few players um, that can make it, but it's a super cool thing. So I'll try to throw the link up on the show. And if anyone's making their way to Europe from the United States or is already in Europe because you live there, then uh, let them know you're interested in going this year to Alpenfestung ASL tournaments. I got one here from Techno, Techno Viking. Dear Jeff, great to hear my old friends from the D.C. Oh, not dear Jeff. Dear Jeff and Dave. Great to hear my old friends from 
the DC area since I moved away two years ago. I've missed them all dearly. So, oh, from the DC conscripts. Conscripts, yes. So, so DC conscripts, tech, uh, techno, uh, techno Viking sends his kindest regards and uh, he misses you. A, a huge axe. He misses you and kisses too. Maybe you guys should call him. Yeah, they could. They We're uniting old friends. That's what we do here. Yeah. Well, we'd like to thank Mike Gillespie, Milton Von Minden, Pastor Mueller, and Jake Schilling for subscribing to us on YouTube. Thank you, guys. Anyone can go and subscribe to us on YouTube. That's right. Uh, I've got one here from P.T. Yonkins. Kudos on the most recent show about steelworks. Actually, I would like to see more scenarios with pipers. It must be the Scottish heritage. I have also been listening to some of the older shows. I think it was episode uh, 261 when you were talking about the scenario Ambitious Plans from Operation Watchtower. You mentioned an earlier version from OAF. I looked into the archive and there are four to five versions of that battle. I, I didn't realize wow. that. Wow, yeah. yeah, there's a lot yeah. of scenarios out there. Yeah. In Route Report and Critical Hit, MMP also did one in Backblast number two. Uh, uh -huh. The original seems to be from Wild Bill Wyler's squad leader version of Blood and Sand from the early 1980s. But I thought it might be interesting for an episode, uh, in an upcoming episode, for a roundtable discussion for the group to compare scenarios from different providers based upon the same incident. So... They could talk about what maps they use, why they use different uh, support weapons and stuff like that. If the scenarios are short enough, it might be interesting to play few through a few different scenarios. Just a thought. And in case there's a contest going on, sugar, <laughs> sugar tanks. Well, there will be a contest, but it will be for our Patreon supporters. Uh, that's a good idea. And I agree with you about the bagpipers. We do need more of them, don't we, in ASL scenarios? I would say so. Well, Jeff, did you see that article about the um, German guy that had the tank in his basement? I did. And hold on just a second. I'm going to switch my head headphone jack over to channel B. There we go. That's better. I did see that. That more bagpipes, more bagpipes. Yes, I've seen this a story come up a couple of times in the, my news feed, which was really interesting. You want to tell me about that? Um, yeah, he had a panther, was it, in his basement. In his pants? In, not his basement, of his pants. A panther tank in his basement, as well as a horde of, of ammunition. Well, that's a little bit of the scary part. Yeah, I thought this was, uh, I, this was a great story. Uh, but the fact that this guy had a tank in his basement. But, I mean, it's crazy. How did he get it down there? It must be a that's, big yeah. house. That's cool. Well, and he had other stuff down there too, didn't he? Oh, I, I don't know. I think yeah. he had anti-aircraft gun or two. Oh. Yeah. That and could I, be 
the German government wanted to, you know, put a big fine against him for having these deadly weapons in his private possession, but apparently they couldn't be fired for whatever reason. I don't know. They're old, maybe? Could be. Says here, it took 20 soldiers nine hours to remove the trove of military hardware from the unnamed man's home. There was also a horde of Nazi memorabilia, including a bust of Hitler, mannequins in Nazi uniforms, swastika, uh, SS rune-shaped lamps, and a statue of a naked warrior holding a sword in his extended hand that once stood outside Hitler's chancellery in Berlin. How about that? Wow, that stuff. Wow, a regular museum down there. Yeah. So... How we got it in there, I don't know. How they got it out, I don't know. But Well, we'd wrap up our letters with just thanking our Patreon sponsors. The ones we'll name this week are Dennis LeClaire, Andreas Carlson, Eric Topp, Anthony Eccles, Chris Brown, Isaac Wayneth, Greg Crane, Jeff Coward, Preston Yonkins, Carl Herzog, Mike Quigley, and Apollo. Apollo, can you see, well, for the listeners at home, it's on the side of this tank. It says Apollo. It says Apollo. I don't know if any listeners know why the Churchill model kit, did they have individual names after the gods or something on here? Anyway, coincidence? How is it that you have those tanks? That's a very small scale. This is the 30-second scale models for 20-millimeter World War II war games. Ah, uh, okay. Which I really have to make time to play those, too. There's just too many games. Yeah, too many games. Speaking of Patreon supporters, Jeff, um, can we send this Rivers to the right, the last donation from Bill Cobble, to a listener, or I mean a Patreon supporter? Oh, yeah. In, in a random drawing? So we have 45 supporters on Patreon, and we're going to roll a 45-sided dice from the virtual dice. This is from random.org. Here we go. 34 is the winner. 34. It'll be quicker to count from the bottom. 45, 4, 3, 2, 1, 40. You said 34? 34. John Hoy. Okay, great. Does he want to be announced? I think he does. He was now. Yeah. Isn't it beautiful how your your life can change in an instant? They'll be having just an ordinary day, and then they'll get an email from us saying they won a contest. They didn't even know they were in. <laughs> oh, I, I envy them. Hey, Dave, we haven't gone to see what's in the box lately. Why don't we go check and see what's in the box? Let's do box. Let's do, sir. What do you got? From the land down under ASL action pack number eight, 16, sorry. That is a six on there, isn't it? Yeah, one six, you are correct. Boy, 16 action packs already. Wow, Wow. who can keep up? Thank you, MMP, for cranking them out. What do you get? Well, you get some artwork that's, I think, again, a photograph that they just kind of 
did yeah. some little uh, special effects on it. I that's yeah, what I call them. Mm-hmm. So you do get bored. One of the Fortenberry. Speaking of fifteen, oh, and that's a board I gotta have. Fifteen B, and you remember Jeff? We can never remember why there's an A and B. That's true. Remember that we we never know. We are. We are currently playing. No. Our previous game, Fall of the Empire, Empire Falls, was on one of these boards. Yeah. So I think the deal is it's the same artwork this way. Does that look the same? Uh, turn it over again. Okay. Memorize that image. It looks identical to me. It's not reversed? No. No. Okay. Once again, folks, we can't tell you why. <laughs> it's we are good. A couple of hapless lunkheads in front of the camera, in front of the uh, microphones. This side goes A to Q. This side goes Q to GG. I have figured it out. This one's to lay on. If you lay a long board across the top, this one lays underneath this part. And then this part lays under the other half of the board. There uh, we go. Yeah, that's Long right. horizontal, you lay this underneath, and it makes sense now. Yeah. Look at that superior brain power at yeah. work. Why didn't we figure that out the first time we did these boards? Which I think we're probably in that into the under the bridge thing we're playing now. Um, Look, I have a hard enough time playing ASL as it is. Don't ask me to puzzle the boards together. You get a what bunch of scenarios. Oh, yeah. Good. How many? Uh, looks like a lot. Okay. And you're getting 160 to 174. Quick math, people. 14. Indeed. 14 scenarios from the land down under. This says 15. Oh, <laughs> 15 scenarios. Because 60 here. counts. And... Uh, these are entirely designed by the Australians and the people in the Australian community. The lion's share of these come from the fertile mind of Andrew Rogers of Hatton in Flames fame oh, with okay. some help, help from his mates, Miriam McCloskey and Simon Spinetti. We'll put another shrimp on the barbie. You knew I was going to be that stereotypical, didn't you? So looks great. You also get it's the back of the packet. You get that. I, I like to now put these front and back into a plastic protector and put it in with my scenarios. Mm -hmm. But Jeff, you also get ah the white sheet of paper, not blue, white. Yeah, yeah. another Less. quality sheet of yeah. blank paper, which is fantastic. And then short, what's in the box? Uh, the scenarios, which we're not going to go over all of them, but I I did look at Anzac Boys. And this has, whenever greater than or equal to one unbroken Anzac unit is the attacker in close combat or melee or ambushes the enemy, it can become hand-to-hand. -hand. And once per turn, prior to moving, blah, blah, the Anzacs may conduct one bonsai charge. What? As if Japanese. That is cool. Right? That is so cool. They, yeah. 
right out of the gate? That's the first scenario in the pack? Uh, it's on the back of it. The first one was Carrier Hill. Now, this one, I think, is Desert Boards. Boards th- 26, ah. 30, and 31 with Where's, Hillocks. Uh, Hillocks. Where is it based? Where geographically was this? <laughs> that would be a good way to tell, wouldn't it? Yeah, possibly. North Africa? I mean, where they Yeah. Okay. Olivia, Tolbrook. Okay. So uh, early. Outside. Yeah, Tolbrook, 1941. Yeah. Italian-British. Haven't played a good desert game in a while. Anzac boys, Germans, and that's against the Germans with the, um, sorry, the Maori battalion. Maori, is it Maori? Maori. So probably all these are Anzac troops, I was guessing, but uh, Crete, Crete for that one. And I maybe I'll do a deep dive into maybe half of these and run it next show or something. Because I would like to hear, I I love anything Australian. Well, then maybe we should play these when we finish the Fortenberry pack with the Japanese. Give give our Japanese a rest after we've been playing them for over a year straight, haven't we? Yeah. I did notice there's also one of these is designed for the Hatton game. Yes, it is. Section of the Hatton map. So, yeah, a lot of variety in there. Looking fantastic. And maybe we'll put those on our gaming radar. Yeah, excellent. Great stuff. Where did you get that? Did you order that? or uh, I, had to, I had to buy that from MMP myself. Okay. All right. We won't go into that. No, we won't. But that looks like a great pack. I've always wanted to go to Australia. That is definitely on my short list, and I've got a very long short list of places I want to go. But Australia is one I've wanted to go since high school. Since and, In seventh grade, I wrote a paper on traveling to Australia. Oh, and New Zealand too now with the Lord of the Rings stuff, or? Oh, I definitely would go to New Zealand. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but if I'm going to go, I would want to go for a couple of months. It's a long, it's a long flight. I'd want to be. Yes, excellent. What else do we have, Dave? Well, it's time for. It's time for rules. Excellent. It's time for rules. You need the rules to play the game and put your opponents to shame. They might seem hard, but that's okay. We're gonna learn them anyway. Uh, I did not finish the rules, but we wouldn't have time for them because tonight's rules are on the two-hit process. Now, this always amazes me you come up with these and i always think oh yeah i remember doing that and then you'll say no we've never done it which is so hard to believe so i must be leading a double life or something i don't know but i'm ready for you it's like i told my daughter the other week watching those fireworks i think i mentioned it on the other show i have a whole bunch of memories of false things i never lived (laughs) and a whole life of things that I can't, that I did live that I can't remember. And then things that I lived and I do remember. So it's kind of like I have three lives. It is. I can't sort them out. Rule 3.1. Oh, which chapter is it from? Do you think? B. No, C. It would be C, of course. C. Excellent. You're off to a good start. And (laughs) 3.1. Firing ordinance is always a one- or two-step process. I 
can't think of when it's a once. Well, yeah. it's infantry fire equivalency, like where we pl played in our last game, then you nope. don't have to roll a two hit. You just roll. I don't think, I think it is means. That that's not what they mean. I think it means if you miss, then you're not rolling part two. Okay. But is that a weird sentence? Um, yeah, that is kind of a weird sentence. Now that Fire you're putting, putting me on the spot, but yes. Why, when is it a one-step process? It's always a one or two-step process. I mean, you could just say, hey, it's always a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or eleven-step process. I don't know. So um, it would be if you roll and you miss, right? Then that's one step. When is it two step? When you hit, what do you do next? Well, you roll to kill, but that's not to hit. Oh, that's right. Well, maybe we'll find out as we rules. <laughs> this is exciting for listeners. They they can listen to us discover the rules. Yes, and that's okay. And this is something we do all the time. Yeah, right? we do. Without yes. pretty much thinking about it. So, yeah. yeah, it's true. First of all, what is Covered Arc and can you tell us anything about it? Well, the Covered Arc is the uh, number of hex sides that a, tur that a barrel can fire into without turning. So if, it, if a, the barrel of a gun or an AFE is aligned along a hex spine, and the covered arc is the two adjacent. It starts with the adjacent hexes that are two adjacent to each other and not perpendicularly divided by a subdomain. It's good. across a bi binary uh, parallax of 40 degrees. Excellent. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so for, for the viewers at home. Uh, just open your rule book. It shows you a picture. Um, <laughs> we don't need to provide a picture. We don't. Now, the, if the current placement of your covered arc is ambiguous, such that the covered arc hex spine cannot be determined, Jeff, who gets to set the hex spine for it? Well, I would say the the opponent does. Yeah, that's why always when you go to the bathroom, I always <laughs> move all of your covered arcs off the hex spines. That's yeah. why I always lose the games where I have to go to the bathroom. That must be why. Finally, I know. So covered arc, got to set your covered arc. Now, what must a gun do to fire at a target that is outside of this triangularly shaped covered arc? That's why I like to play vassal, because when I play vassal, I have a vessel. And I can go into the vessel so that I don't have to leave vassal. I don't go to the bathroom. I just go in the vest. Okay. What was so your question? What, what do you do when you fire outside of the covered arc? Well, you would have to turn the turret or the gun or whatever the case may be to turn the barrel of the weapon into the covered arc where your intended target is. Correct. And does changing a covered arc in the same phase in which the unit fires then, does that incur a two-hit die roll modifier penalty? Yes, it does. It does. Now, when, and you've become very good at this, I would like to point out, when can you change your covered arc without firing? 
Well, you can change the covered arc as if to fire during any fire phase that you would have been able to fire, but you don't have to fire. You can just turn the covered arc. So and like if you're moving or uh, something like that, I can turn a gun as if to fire, but I don't have to fire it. Correct. Now it specifically says at the end of a friendly fire phase. Not sure people want to get that technical. Oh, um, it can't be done in the movement phase, and um, only if at that time its crew is still able to fire without using intensive or sustained fire. There are exceptions to that, which um, I reminded you of last time when you were pushing the gun up the hill and then at the end of each of those movements you can set it where you want the covered arc unlimbering pushing and turreted guns with other turreted armaments so you can't during do use it you can't do it during movement so like if you're bounding fire you must fire well you can turn your tank turret as part of movement this is, uh, oh, without, well, no, I would, boy, I wouldn't dig that deep. No, that's not a rule. You can turn your turret wherever you want when you're moving without yeah, firing. That's right. So um, now if you change the covered arc in the prep fire phase, does it cancel any movement possibilities for the gun and crew for the rest of the player turn? Any movement possibilities? Or are you talking about further covered arc changes? Nope, just the movement of the whole unit. Yeah, I would say you cannot move. I'm not yes. that doesn't come up very often for me, but yeah, I'd say no. Yeah, we rarely. Yeah, um, even if it's a vehicular gun, I'd say if it's a vehicular gun. Uh, let's see. Can I turn my tank turret and prep fire, and then and move later? Move? I'm going to say no. Um. That is correct. Okay. Yes, it, it applies to that gun. Um, so it's like, just don't touch it during the prep fire if you're going to be moving it. Yeah. Does that then prevent the gun that um, chain tur turned its uh, covered arc in a firing phase without firing? Does that prevent it from firing in the advanced fire phase? Ow. What gotcha? I think I felt Rich Spilkey kicking me, and he's not even here. I could just imagine him listening to the show, and he's probably like, Jeff, bam. I think that's what I was feeling. Okay, go ahead. No. No, it does not. Yeah. Then the to-hit process. Uh, let's look at a chart, shall we, and kind of... Talk over. It's easier than trying to read these paragraphs, right? Or that's the beauty of the charts. Here's one that, in particular, where the chart makes it so much easier than reading through the rules. Though it's good to do both. Yes. So we start off here on table C3 yep. with target type, vehicle, infantry, and area. Why are there black numbers and red numbers? What does that tell us? Certain nationalities will use different colored numbers, and it's an indicator of the uh, ability or the lack of ability of their weapons to fire. So they may have a certain number of misfires because it's not that good a weapon. 
Russian guns, I think, use the red numbers, do they not? Typically, yes. And um, I think the Japanese were on the red, and some yeah. nationalities switched during the war. Switch. Right, if they get later in the war. Yeah. I would have and to then, that uh, chart. There's a chart for that. The area fire stays just red numbers all the way across. So that means all the nationalities just use the red numbers for area fire. Mortar and smoke use that all the time. Um, there are ranges listed, like any chart will have. How far away are you from the target? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, this I used to always like not look at a lot. These modifiers based on ammo and the gun. gun so if it's a, yeah, if it's a short weapon, does it get easier to hit at long range? I'm going to say a short weapon would be harder to hit something at longer range. Uh -huh. so. a, long, a long weapon, of course. Yeah, which doesn't, you're right, that doesn't happen very often. It seems like I never have a line of sight that's that far unless we're playing a desert scenario. Yeah, yeah. I used to just like not even like be aware of it very, very, very much. Yeah. APDS, oh, there's one. And the special ammo we roll for, it has modifiers. It's worse at 13 hexes or more. Mm. I wonder if I missed some of that. Um, smoke is plus two at a range of zero to 12. Are we doing that correct? Smoke is plus two to the to hit number. I am not. I am not remembering that one. I swear I'm not. Mike Rizzi, check in with us and let us know. Timonen, think about it. Because the hit number is a seven, but if you're doing smoke, it's a nine, and ranges zero to twelve. Hmm. Right? We have not done that. I don't think we've been doing that. Well, we're new. It should be. It should be. It should. It should be easy to hit with smoke, and so that's got to be it right there. So there it is. Plus two, and then the um, weapon size it takes effect out at thirteen ranges. The small uh, size of the shells uh, drop off, I think, in velocity. Is that the physics behind it? Yes, I would say that's probably true. It's harder to hit at a long range with them. Um, Although they have the less than or equal to 57 millimeters going really bad. Well, 54 hexes away. Let's just ignore that for now. And then you have a variety of to hit modifiers. I'm pretty sure we do all of these outside the covered arc change, depending on your turret type, if it's a square, if it's a circle on the turret, um, the turret, the slow traverse the non-turreted double that in the woods i think we do that yeah um those trees what, happens, play. what happens if you fire in the advance phase without ha entering a hex that player turn do you have a penalty fire anyway? advance phase yeah like i forgot to i didn't move and maybe i forgot to prep fire so I'm like, oh, well, I'll just shoot it in the advanced fire phase at the same target. Oh, yeah. Is plus uh, on that? Yes. Plus two. Plus two, correct. Bounding fire. Oh, you know what? We'll get into a lot of these later on, I think, as, as we go through the rules. So you know, 
That's one I've always known that it's a plus two in the advanced fire phase, but I've never really thought about it as to why that would be from a logical, you know, real standpoint. World standpoint. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> and if you moved, you have to take that case B also, plus then other modifiers like the amount of time it's been in your line of sight, the enemy. So if it's only been in your line of sight less than or equal to two movement points, you got a plus two on the shot. Um, if it's been two and a half to three movement points, it's a plus one. And then beyond three movement points in line of sight, it's normal. Still case B. Uh, and this type of gun you have on your vehicle, if you moved stabilized guns plus one, the turret, slow turrets plus two, and then non-turreted is plus three. So, and then these later ones, I think we get into as we go through the to hit process. So, jumping back to my notes. So, it says here, the to hit process is merely a matter of cross-indexing the target type. With the, when we did all that. Roll your dice. A final die roll greater than that modified number. What does that result in, Jeff? A miss. Correct. And then why, oh, can ordinance using, what is ordinance? Ordinance are guns, not AFEs. Oh, ordinance. Yes, not infantry. Not infantry, yes. Not rifles. Right. When you roll it to hit, and a, that's when you're, it's an ordinance in the game rules. Yeah. Can ordinance using a to hit table cause a collateral attack to vulnerable passengers, riders, and crews? Sure. Yes. <clears throat> yes, it can. And then the um, using the different target types. So obviously, if I'm shooting at a tank, which one do I use? Well, then you'd be using a, uh, you wouldn't be using the infantry target type. You'd be using the, um, the non-infantry target type. <laughs> it starts with a V. Vehicle target type. Yes, indeed. And can you fire at a concealed um, target, a vehicle? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It happens to be... Uh, I think it's plus two versus concealed. That's right. I mean, and then can you fire on a hidden initially placed vehicle? No, if you can't see it, then you can't fire on it. Guess what this rule says? It says you can. Yeah, including fire at a hip or concealed, both okay. in the same sentence. So, so I'm like... So if you just suspect that something is sitting somewhere, you can fire into that hex. Yeah. There's an effect of some kind. It would expose it. I, I imagine there's a plus two for concealed, at least on it. Is there any more? No, I, I, I don't know. I think that's correct. I know when I have done infantry firepower, you know, to turn up hiddens, we do that a lot in the jungle. Right. Um, at half, that's at half firepower because it's concealed. Yeah. Right. Okay. I've never done that. Yep. Uh, if you get a hit on the target vehicle itself, uh, it cannot cause damage to another vehicle. 
If you miss, then there's a process to see if you hit another vehicle in the hex, which I don't have on this part of the rules here. Okay. And don't, don't remember it offhand, but infantry, cav, and or terrain in the same hex cannot then be damaged when you shoot at the tank. So you pick the tar vehicle type, you're hitting the, the tank, not, not the rest of the stuff. Okay. For that, you would use what kind of? You'd use air fire or something. Yep, area. Yep. So um, can you use the vehicle target type to fire at motorcycles? Let's see. Vehicle target type at motorcycles. I'm going to say no. That's correct. So you would just use um, what? High explosives on the. Well, I don't know if you'd use. Well, you could use area. That's always a choice. Yeah. And then I, th I would bet it's infantry, but again, I don't have it here. No, here's the infantry target type. So can you use it when you're firing armor piercing ammo versus um, the motorcycles? Infantry no. target type. I would think no. I would think if you're using armor piercing, it's got to be a vehicle target type. Um, it says the infantry target type can be selected only when firing high explosives. Okay. Exception, armor piercing or heat ammo, and only against an unarmored target. I think that's the AP equivalency chart that you would use. Ah, uh, so, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, like, yeah, the smaller caliber um, ones can almost function as, like, a machine gun in some they give them a little bit of a um, firepower for for just such an occasion. Okay. And all armor fighting vehicles uh, in the target location would be immune if you're firing on the infantry target type. You can't do both a vehicle and an infantry on one shot. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then everyone that's in that hex is attacked on the IFT with one die roll. So, yes, okay. Again, typically high explosives, the, the bombs that blow up good and throw a lot of shrapnel around and concussion would be against the infantry. Um, the area target type, and then we'll end there for today's lesson. So, um, what weapons have to use the area target type? Uh, that would be mortars. Yes and the smoke when you use it with anything else. Now, otherwise you can select it when firing high explosives because they blow up and spread around, yeah. but not armor piercing or the uh, HE equivalency of that stuff. Okay. All non-aerial units in the target hex can be hit except for those immune as per 3.4. Oh, that's coming up next, so we'll save that. Which weapon can hit all target hex units that are even out of the line line of sight, out of its firer's line of sight? There's a weapon that can hit people that are out of its line of sight if they're in the same hex with units that are in the line of sight. OBA? Close, yeah, mortars. And mortars, okay. Yeah, I can't yeah. think of a situation. Yeah, I can't. It's it's so funny. If with all the games we've played, there's a couple of situations I think I never, I never. <laughs> all units that are hit by the high explosives. Uh, so you get a hit on the high explosives 
what do you do next? Well, you've got result on the IFT. Yeah, you switch back over to your IFT chart. Yep. It has the uh, p power of the gun across the line here going 20, 30, 37, 50s, all the way up to 200 plus millimeter yep. ammo. And you just roll on that chart. Now, all units that are hit yeah. by. See, and what is a 50 on the chart? Uh, it is 50. And what is the uh, the IFT equivalency on it? Oh, a six firepower. Yeah, six firepower. I always feel like 50. Yeah, I can hit it with a 50. Yeah, it sounds good. Six? I roll on a six? In, yeah. In my, mind, in my mind, it's the 70 millimeter shells that start to make a difference. Yeah. 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 My brain is totally 70. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. 100? Oh, but when do you rarely get a gun that's shooting 100 millimeter? You know, late yeah. war, late war, big stuff. Um, so once you get that hit, um, all the units in there hit with a single die roll. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're using this area fire, and it's a let's say it's a 50 on the six though, it's area fire, not direct. You know, fire on the infantry table. Goes what, down column. Yeah, you go down half half of the. Um, uh, firepower of the firing ordinance. Oh, half of the firepower, yes. Yeah. Okay. Special stuff for white phosphorus, but I think we did smoke already on another show, pretty sure. Um, fire on that area of target type then by the non-mortar consumes all the gun's rate of fire for that turn. Ooh, I hope I haven't cheated anyone on that. Yeah, I so think if, we've been doing that. Yeah, if we're firing on fire? 70... Yeah, right. The fire. I'm going to shoot area fire with my 75 millimeter cannon. It's supposed to then take up all the rate of fire. Okay. That's we're going to have to. Except for one weapon. And we do it a lot. You love mine. The mortars. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So they get they can keep the rate. All yeah. those other guns cannot. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, must kind of represent that it's firing uh, several shells to get the whole area or something. I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Then the use of area fire does not prohibit interdiction by itself, and the area target type cannot be used within your own hex or as a bounding first fire or as a motion fire. Yeah. Okay. And then certain cases on the chart do not apply to area fire. And again, we're going to do all these modifiers, but so when you're getting into here, they're marked with a sign showing which ones are applicable, not applicable to area fire. Uh, the ones marked with a red, like crucifix. Oh, yes. Not applicable. So that's case C1 to C4, case which is the bounding, the E and G and L fire within hex, because the rule just said that. G, deliberate immobilization, not area fire. L, meaning you can't do it in area fire. Point blank range does not apply either. Okay. 
Um, and then, uh, yep, all other to hit die roll modifiers apply to the area target type to hit die roll in a normal manner. Now, an area target type hit versus vehicles. Do you know how we resolve those? There's a chart. There we go. Here. Isn't it this indirect fire chart? Yes. Yeah, so all the armor factor lower than four, equal to four lower, neg one, open topped, neg one. So like when we're dropping mortars on things, yeah. we use that. Um, and there's something else to this. I'm going to pause again. 1.55. Oh, versus vehicle, the star armor star line. Vehicle. It's used for unarmored vehicle attacked by HE. It does have that same chart, so we were right. It just talks then about how to get the kill. Okay, I can do that. And so it refers us to rule 1.55, which is the one explaining how you get a burning wreck uh, less than or equal to half on these charts. And the unarmored vehicle line, the star line here on your LFT charts, it's on the IFT, the star line. Yeah. You use that to, to see what happens to unarmored vehicles, and it's typically like less than half is a burning wreck, and then between that to a kill is a wreck, and then equal to or greater than. You go to this other great little chart that runs through that. AFV destruction tables right here, C7.7. To kill point. Yeah, that's all the to kill. So just saying yeah. it's resolved as, yeah. Um, and then lastly, just multiple targets. Uh, hit obtained by any to hit table affects only the target hex. And depending on the target type and dyro modifiers, not necessarily all of the occupants in the hex. Um, not all enemy potential targets in the hex are always hit because some of them might be immune due to qualifying effects or to hit modifiers and not applicable to other people. They Some of them might be out of the line of sight somehow, as we said. Uh, they might be too close to be hit, rule 2.6, um, or in a location immune to getting hit by that bomb or whatever. Maybe it's in a pillbox and it's like, I don't know. Um, or they're not moving during defensive first fire, right? You can only hit the moving guy through the hex. So... There's just saying multiple targets. Don't just assume I got to hit everything in the hexes hit. And that will wrap us up for today. All right. Very well done. The two hit process. Uh, have we covered to kill or is that coming up? What we have not covered, according to our records for Chapter C, gun duels, fire based mods. So those will come up later. Target-based mods. We touched on some of that already. But yeah. gun yeah. movement, guns as targets, and recoilless rifles. Cool. All right. Good stuff coming. Take us to episode 500. Yeah. All right, everybody. So that's going to wrap it up for tonight, Dave? I think so. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We've got lots of stuff coming up. So we hope you will stay with us. For more exciting two half squads, but until then, remember to roll low. And rally well. But, but not when you're, when playing, you're playing us. us.